everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast with me, your host, Alex Murray. So this week, we'll do the usual wrap-up of package updates in their CVEs and dive into some of the details of those. And in particular, we're going to take a bit of a decent look at the recent apt uh, vulnerability. So yeah, let's get into it. Uh, this week, there have been 46 unique CVEs that we've addressed across the supported Ubuntu releases. Uh, the first one was the apt one that we're going to go into detail a bit later. But at a high level, uh, this is a single CVE that we've fixed across uh, precise extended security maintenance, trusty, xenial, bionic, and cosmic. Um, this was a man-in-the-middle uh, attack that would allow a remote code execution as root in the context of apt. So as you're probably familiar, apt is the package manager for Ubuntu, and uh, this is a pretty bad bug. Basically, uh, at high level, it was due to a mishandling of HTTP redirects, which would then allow a malicious mirror or potentially a man in the middle along the way to inject content, which would then allow them to do arbitrary command execution as apt, uh, so therefore as root. Uh, this was fixed by simply disallowing control characters in HTTP redirect responses uh, in apt. Uh, but as I say, we'll go into some of the details of this uh, later in the show. The next one was an update for libtiff, the uh, tiff image uh, library. Uh, seven CVEs here that we fixed in Trusty, Xenial, Bionic, and Cosmic. Uh, these were a mix of the usual things that we see in these image processing libraries written in C, so uh, multiple null pointer dereferences and assertion failures that could be triggered by specially crafted uh, images, and these would result in the usual crash and, as a result, denial of service, and also multiple different heap-based buffer overflows and uh, an integer overflow as well that would lead to a potential buffer overflow. All of these would uh, result in a crash and therefore denial of service, but a uh, possible uh, code execution as well, uh, depending on how the uh, image was crafted. We've got an update for Poplar uh, that fixed two CVEs for Trusty, Xenial, Bionic, and Cosmic. In this case, it was an assertion failure and a null pointer dereference that would be able to be triggered by specially crafted PDFs. Uh, as a result, both of these would cause a crash and therefore denial of service. Uh, yeah, the usual sorts of things here. We've got an update for NTP. Now, this one is specific for uh, precise extended security maintenance only. Uh, this matches an update that we did actually back in July uh, last year, 2018, for uh, the other supported releases at the time. That was Bionic, Artful, Xenial, and Trusty. Uh, so, yeah, all the standard releases have got uh, this update already, and this one is just uh, particularly for our precise extended security maintenance customers. Uh, this update is for nine different CVEs, as I said, and this is for multiple different issues, uh, including a p possible remote code execution uh, and a specially crafted response from uh, the NTP server to an NTP client, and various denial of services, both at the protocol level uh, between the client and server. So that would mean that you might be able to, say, disrupt the client talking to the server and basically denial of service at that level, or potentially at the actual application level itself, and cause either the client or maybe the server to uh, crash and therefore denial of service in that way. We've got another update for GoScript. So this is, yeah, the package that keeps on giving. Uh, again, as a result of work from Tavis Ormandy from Google Project Zero. In this case, he decided to have uh, a random look as he described at the latest GoScript release and came up with yet another uh, vulnerability. In this case, it was a uh, code execution via subroutine operators. And uh, yeah, as with most of these ghost script vulnerabilities that we've seen previously, it's quite a detailed exploit that's needed. 
and as a result quite detailed patches that are needed to patch this and quite invasive to the GhostScript code. If you want to know more about previous GhostScript vulnerabilities that we've covered, see episodes 5, 7, 10 and 14. So yeah, this is one more to add to that list. And like the previous ones, GhostScript is included in a lot of things, in particular events, the uh, standard GNOME desktop document viewer, Image Magic, Nautilus, GIMP, and even uh, less the command line pager. So you can actually target this at multiple levels uh, to exploit multiple different apps. So yeah, but as I say, that's been fixed uh, for Trusty, Xenial, Bionic, and Cosmic. We've got an update for MySQL, or MySQL, depending on how you say it. Uh, 15 CVEs here that we've addressed for Xenial, Bionic, and Cosmic. Uh, we did this as usual for MySQL by updating to the latest version. In this case, that's 5.7.2.5 for all of our releases. And yeah, this basically, the 15 CVEs that were fixed here include things like multiple denial of services at uh, both low or high privilege attackers uh, that would cause the MySQL uh, server to crash. Uh, multiple unauthorized accesses to the MySQL server as well, uh, basically allowed a compromise of the, the server, uh, of the server process, should I say, and therefore your data in the server, that kind of thing. So yeah, pretty uh, decent uh, vulnerabilities and therefore worthwhile updating for. We've got an update for Subversion, the once popular uh, source code management system, now kind of supplanted by Git everywhere. But yeah, one uh, CVE here that was fixed, uh, which is a denial of service against the Subversion server itself in mod dav SVN. And this only affected uh, versions greater than or equal to 1.10.0, which is uh, one of the more recent releases and therefore only affects uh, subversion in Cosmic, doesn't apply to uh, subversion in uh, Xenial or um, Bionic. Uh, basically, this was triggered by uh, asking the server to do a remote uh, recursive directory listing uh, of the root, but not actually specifying at what path <laughs> the root was located at. In this case, that would uh, result in a null pointer dereference because the, uh, the variable was never initialized on the server side as a result. So that's been fixed. All right, we've got an update for Thunderbird. Uh, this is for 10 different CVEs. Uh, this updates Thunderbird to the latest release, uh, 60.4. Uh, this is, as I said, 10 different CVEs. We've updated it in Trusty, Xenial, Bionic, and Cosmic uh, to this latest version. And this is a range of different issues, but as is usual with these sorts of things, uh, not a lot of details on these. Uh, but yeah, if you use Thunderbird, uh, I suggest you update. Okay, that takes it to the end of the usual wrap of uh, vulnerabilities and fixes for the week. The one I want to go into more detail, as I said at the start, is the one in apt. So this was CVE 2019-3462. Uh, uh, this was discovered by Max Justice, and he provides a really good detailed write-up on his blog of this. Now, the basic idea of this one is that apt provides a number of different ways that it can fetch down uh, packages. And it depends on basically what the URL is that you've specified. And so by default, uh, Ubuntu, we use uh, HTTP uh, for the mirrors uh, due to a number of reasons that I'll go into later. And so this was in the HTTP worker. So apt, uh, the way that it fetches stuff is it calls out to the various worker processes to actually do the work of downloading updates uh, on its behalf. And it uses a text-based protocol, a bit like HTTP, to communicate with the workers uh, through standard in, standard out. So it will spawn a worker, it will then send it essentially commands of what it wants to download, and it will, uh, you know, what, what it expects the hashes to be, that kind of thing, and then it will uh, get back the response from the worker. 
and uh, proceed on. And the response might have things in there like the fact that it got redirected to a different URL through something like a HTTP redirect, which is important in this case, or maybe the fact that it was done in that it actually fetched the package and uh, we can proceed on to the next, uh, the next command. And so in the case of when handling a HTTP redirect, uh, the worker would take the redirect URL that it was told from the server and send this back to the, uh, the main apt process. But the way it would do this is it would just append the URL uh, to the redirect uh, response that it sent back to the main app process. And in this case, if it wasn't just a URL that was sent back in the redirect header, but it was actually uh, more things, and in particular, in this case, more uh, directives in app's own text-like protocol, you could essentially send commands back to the main app process. So what we could do here is it could send back uh, not just that it had completed the download, but then extra commands as well. In particular, you could say that you had finished the first download of the first file, and you could then send uh, follow-up directives, such as reporting things like fake hashes, so that you could forge hashes for, um, for devs that uh, were then going to be downloaded or sort of inserted, and even falsify the location for the deb that had been downloaded. In this case, what you could do in the way that it was quite a clever uh, exploit was he piggybacked on the existing releases GPG file that is generated for the mirror and signed uh, by the trusted key. And due to a couple different ways in that this is interpreted, you could actually append a, uh, a manufactured dev package to the front of the releases GPG file. And that would then be uh, handled, uh, the releases file would still look valid because of the way that uh, that gets parsed, that junk at the start that is the deb binary package would get ignored and you know, we could validate the releases GPG file as normal. Uh, then we, we could use that as the location of a package and say that uh, that would then get interpreted by apt to be installed and it would successfully install it because it would ignore the junk, which in this case was the actual signature at the end of the file when it was interpreted as an actual package. And so what you could do is you could essentially inject your own package uh, into, uh, into apt to be installed and therefore because it's then running as, uh, as root when it gets installed, you can add a, you know, a post-install script to basically do whatever you want in the context of root. And that's what his proof of concept does. He's got a nice video on his blog that shows how that works. So uh, the way this was fixed was to simply disallow control characters, obviously things like new lines and that kind of thing, in the HTTP redirect response. So basically add in a whitelist of all the acceptable characters. Now, uh, a lot of different uh, discussion around this vulnerability has centered on the fact that uh, Ubuntu mirrors by default use HTTP and not HTTPS. So we don't have TLS in there. And that would have helped to mitigate this. And it would have helped to mitigate this if you consider it as a man in the middle attack. So uh, in the case of HTTP, you can essentially inject uh, whatever content as a man in the middle to that um, TCP stream. Uh, and in this case, to uh, you know, cause the effects that uh, Max demonstrated in his blog. As a result, we're starting to reevaluate uh, whether uh, mirrors should use HTTPS as a result. And this is something that has been looked at at a number of times uh, across the years and due to various reasons, uh, has not been able to be pulled off. In particular, uh, we have localized mirrors that are um, provided by uh, various organizations in different countries. So, you know, in Australia, we have au.archive.ubuntu.com. 
uh, but that's not actually provided by Canonical, even though obviously the DNS entry is. And so uh, any certificate uh, that would say that that was valid would need to be supplied by Canonical uh, or Ubuntu, and that certificate would then need to be uh, distributed out to each provider. And so that's obviously not necessarily easy to organize or manage or trust. So that makes it harder. Uh, we even have uh, the fact that uh, some of the actual canonical provided mirrors, if we were to enable HTTPS on them, uh, you've then got the overhead of doing TLS, both the computational overhead and therefore a cost overhead of that. Uh, so that's also not, uh, not insignificant either. Um, plus a number of other reasons as well. So yeah, unfortunately it's not easy to turn on HTTPS for um, all the Ubuntu mirrors, but it is something we are looking at trying to do in the future because obviously that would have helped to mitigate that in this case. Uh, however, if you do consider that uh, you were using a mirror that you didn't trust at all, and even if you were using HTTPS, then obviously it could still exploit this uh, regardless. So uh, yeah, in the case of trusted mirrors, uh, it basically just meant that uh, you could ex that this would be able to be exploited if you could be a man in the middle, but if you don't trust your mirror at all, you're out of luck either way. Um, so yeah, while HTTPS obviously would be quite useful by default, uh, it's not a panacea for everything in this case. But as I said, something that is still being looked into and that hopefully we can enable down the track uh, by default. That's not to say, however, though, that uh, you can't enable HTTPS yourself. So uh, you can go and look for an existing mirror that already offers HTTPS and you can specify that yourself in your um, apt sources list file and apt will support that and you will get HTTPS uh, yourself. So that's something that you can always do. But yeah, obviously not a good bug, uh, but that has been fixed. And due to responsible disclosure from Max uh, to the team, we were able to get that ready and push that out uh, before it was detailed. So uh, hopefully not a high likelihood that that was ever exploited for anyone. Okay, uh, that takes it to the end of the show. Uh, as usual, if you want to get in contact, you can email us at security.ubuntu.com. You can also find the team hanging out in the Ubuntu Harden channel on Freenode IRC Network. And you can even find us on Twitter at Ubuntu underscore sec. So, uh, yeah, as usual, uh, remember, keep calm, enable automated upgrades, and I will speak to you in another week. Thanks for listening. Bye.